welcome to another episode of Sounds Japanese Canadian to Me with me, Raymond Nakamura. And me, Carolyn Nakagawa. Well, Carolyn, you've got a nice sakura-colored sweater <laughs> on today. Does that have any portent for what we're going to talk about? This is a podcast, Raymond. You're mentioning things that the listeners can't appreciate. I'm expanding um, the imagination. Yes. Picture us sitting in the vault, me wearing a pink sweater. Or we should be imagining ourselves sitting under cherry blossoms out in the garden in the springtime, sipping on sake and reading poetry. Well, exactly. Why be weighed down by fact when we yeah. have this whole realm of the imagination That's we right. can expand our audio into? With no additional effect on our budget. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about a really popular symbol of Japan and also a really popular symbol of springtime in Japan and also I think here in Canada. Increasingly. Increasingly here in Canada is the cherry blossom, the Japanese ornamental cherry trees. It's interesting because I think that when I was growing up, I always would see cherry trees and be told, oh, those are Japanese trees. Like, those are special trees. And that would make me feel like I had some connection to hmm. them. It's a nice thing to feel connected to. You know, it's not like... Um, like you belong there. Yeah, but it's also like, it's not like when someone tells you that, like, gobo root is Japanese and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> when it's something nice to be associated It's with. very pretty and it's something that I would have felt an affinity towards anyway as just... Uh, a tree with beautiful flowers mm-hmm. and then I felt like I could take some kind of ownership over it as a Japanese Canadian and there's cherry trees all over Vancouver yes and I think it's really interesting that it's part of a really deep tradition that started in Japan mm-hmm. and it's still associated with Japan even though we have thousands and thousands of them in Vancouver now and right. across Canada I think yes. as well I remember even with the centennial in 1977 the oh, logo yeah. for the Japanese Canadian centennial oh yeah I've seen um, that the outside is like a sakura flower with mm-hmm. the maple leaf inside so it was a symbol of the Japanese part of it Yes. It's really fortunate that the cherry blossoms can thrive so well in our climate. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Vancouver has a pretty mild climate, but it's still very different from Japan. Mm -hmm. So it seems to be, I don't know much about trees, but it seems like it's a happy coincidence that they're hardy enough to endure both environments. Mm -hmm. I I remember in Japan seeing in the springtime the weather forecasts about where the blossoms would be occurring. There's like this line that moves up the country because north-south and so it's related to temperature and they'd be reporting all the Mm -hmm. blossoms are being reported now in Kumoto or whatever. Vancouver also does that with the Vancouver Cherry Blossom Festival. Mm -hmm. They have a cherry blossom map that actually shows you where in the city different varieties of trees are blooming. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because it's such a oh, short... Oh, like a live thing. They're doing a report of where it is. Um, Not like a broadcast, but like a map that you can look at online that will be updated oh, every, I, see. I don't know, few days or something uh-huh. as people see different varieties that are blooming earlier close up and ones that are blooming later open up. Right. I have this book that I got at the Cherry Blossom Festival some time ago, the Ornamental Cherries one. Mm -hmm. And they list all the different varieties that occur in Vancouver, where they are in the city, and when you can expect them to be blooming. Mm -hmm. So so that if you're a keener, then that gives you that possibility. Yeah, definitely. So I want to backtrack a little bit, though, and talk about how this became such an important symbol of Japan. I think it's important to note that just the practice of cultivating cherry trees is a really ancient tradition mm-hmm. and there's at least hundreds of varieties of cherry trees that like certain regions will cultivate their own kind and that's why you see ones that are fluffy white petals and some that are more 
simple flowers or mm-hmm. darker pink flowers mm-hmm. and all combinations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're specifically ornamental cherry trees that are bred for their flowers and that don't bear fruit. It seems sort of purely artistic because it's of no value in terms of having fruit, no material value. It's all about the beauty and the appreciation of it. So it seems like that has given it an exalted feel to it. Mm -hmm, And it is the the national flower of Japan, so that there seems to be a lot of affinity for it. Yeah, and I think that seems to date from the Kojiki, which is an ancient Japanese text from around the 8th century where the cherry blossom became a symbol of Japanese national identity as distinct from Chinese culture, because at that time, China was a really dominant imperial power and Japan was borrowing a lot of things from them culturally. Mm. So the distinct Japanese identity was associated with actually rice. The mythology goes that the Japanese gods created rice in heaven and brought it to Japan. So specifically Japanese gods. Decide oh, to I create see. rice, wow. which is interesting because I mean China uh, has rice yeah. too. I guess they just decided the that rice was rice. their thing, and so they created in heaven and brought to Japan. And then the grandson of the sun goddess, the Japanese sun goddess, was helping distribute the rice around Japan. And then the grandson of the sun goddess met these two women, a woman and her older sister, and the father of the two sisters. Who were descended from some other god or some other... I don't know. Oh, I think they popped up out of the ground or something. I'm not sure where the sisters There's... came from, Sorry. but he met them. <laughs> and the father says, oh, you can take both of them and marry both of them, because that's what you do in ancient mythological times when your grandmother is a sun goddess. Right, right? yeah, sure. And there's this one woman who's associated with the cherry blossoms. And the other woman, the older sister, is associated with a rock. Her name actually means something to do with rocks. And the father says... <laughs> kind of a harsh <laughs> dichotomy there. It is. Pretty... Although I guess the rocks do have the beauty of their own, but it does seem you can be a flower yeah. or you can be a rock. <laughs> I mean, in comparison, yeah, it's pretty rough. She is my rock. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always a positive thing, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So that makes sense, right? That would be a good person to marry. And the father says, if you marry the rock woman, you'll live long like a rock. Uh But if you take the cherry blossom woman, your life will be short like blossoms. Mm. And the grandson says, well, actually, I don't want to marry the older rock woman because she's ugly. (laughs) Harsh. It's really harsh. Yeah. Um, I guess that's So he marries the younger daughter and then they produce the imperial line. Oh. Yeah. But like the Shoah Emperor, he lasted a long time. So maybe he has a bit of rock in him. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, I guess compared to like gods and goddesses, humans don't live very long. Yeah. So yeah, that's apparently the reason why emperors don't actually live very long. And also humans in general don't live very I long. See. It's because this... The ephemerality. Because of the guy... The grandson of the sun goddess went for decided, the flowers instead. Yeah. And the fleetingness. The yeah. fleetingness of life. Yeah. So that's one story that I found about the foundation of why cherry blossoms are so important is because they actually produced the imperial line. So Japanese are rooted, so to speak, in the cherry blossom, the ephemeral nature of it. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the specific Japanese identity as unique from other 
Asian countries and cultures that they were coming in contact with. Hmm. It seems to tie in with the philosophy related to being in the moment of appreciating the now mm -hmm. uh, because you don't know how long you're going to last for. Mm -hmm. But it's also interesting how cherry trees are planted frequently as memorials mm. in the Japanese Canadian communities. I'm thinking specifically of the war memorial in Stanley Park uh -huh. that has, do you know that big tree that's right by the memorial, that one cherry tree? It has that sort of overhanging, sprawling branches. I'll take your word for it. Okay. So there's this one tree. It's actually more than 90 years old. From, so from the time when the memorial was put up? Uh, the memorial was built in 1920. And the tree is actually a rare variety of cherry blossom called the ochochi, which means hanging lantern, mm. was planted in 1925 oh. by the memorial. The name of the tree, the ochochi, comes from the shape of the way that the blossoms hang down from oh. the branches, looking like lanterns. Hmm. The symbolism of it is really potent because if you think about the tree having the qualities of a lantern, hmm. when I gave a tour of that area, one of the guests on the tour said, well, that means that when the eternal flame of the memorial was extinguished in 1942 by racists who were driving the Japanese Canadians out of the coast, there was still a lantern hmm. at the war memorial because of the cherry blossoms that continued to bloom during that entire time that Japanese Canadians weren't allowed to pay their respects there. Hmm. I just love that story. Mm -hmm. So the Ojotin tree, it's very old and they've actually, the city has put a big bolt in it to keep it from splitting in two because it's rather heavy and the way it's growing means it's actually splitting apart but they're trying their best to preserve it oh well hopefully it doesn't get to the stage of the hollow tree in the other part of stanley park <laughs> that like tree a... is an icon too especially for i don't know if this is just japanese canadians probably it's everybody but we have so many pictures of people standing in that hollow tree yes so i don't think that's a bad thing well not necessarily yeah because my grandfather ran a taxi company there uh -huh. are some pictures of him with the uh, taxi yeah yeah with his big car oh, with yeah. other people He'd i'm be sure i've seen there. some of those pictures yeah yeah yeah, so I mean, that would be a great thing, I think. But yeah, that Ojochin tree, it's one of the only ones in Vancouver of that variety. Actually, I think, as far as I know, the only other one was planted from a cutting from that tree only two or three years ago. Wow. Plants are weird things. Yeah. Well, the thing about ornamental cherries is that they don't reproduce on their own because they don't have fruit. Mm. Right? Right. So you have to So even reinforcing the unpractical, aspect, the unpractical. <laughs> impractical aspect yes. of ornamental yeah. cherries. So you have to either take a cutting and plant it from mm. a tree, mm. or you can clone them by grafting a cutting onto the stump of another tree. Right. Those are the two ways that you can make new cherry trees. So it's a lot of work. Yeah. And then you have a lot of trees that are genetically identical. Hmm. Yeah. It's a really interesting practice. So I think it's interesting as well that although there's so many varieties of cherry blossom trees, there are also other kinds of trees that are sort of similar, particularly plum tree that can be yes. confusing. And because the different varieties look so different, it's not like you can be like, oh, that's one cherry tree. Yeah. And anything that looks different is not. But I did find some general traits that are supposed to be similar. See mm -hmm. if you think these make sense. For one thing, with the scent, there's not supposed to be very much of a scent in general for mm -hmm. cherry blossoms, whereas plum blossoms tend to have more of a flower. Yes, and I think there's other blossoms that look a little bit like cherry blossoms sometimes that actually smell bad. Oh, yeah. So if it smells bad, it's probably not a cherry No, blossom. it's not a cherry tree if it smells okay. bad. <laughs> and then the petals themselves, if you look closely, a cherry blossom petal usually has a split in the end, whereas a plum blossom will be smooth. 
sort of the edge of the petal, the yeah. Outline. When you go oh, around okay. the, the edge yeah. of it, uh, there's usually a little bit of a notch. Oh, yeah. or something. and you definitely yeah. see that in graphic depictions of cherry blossoms mm-hmm. for like symbols of Japan and things. Right. You always see that little notch in the petal. Yeah. So if you're designing a cherry blossom, you should keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And then with the tree itself, the cherry blossom trees usually have these little light lines, horizontal lines on the mm. bark. They're called lenticels. So even though for much of the year they're not in bloom, that's one way you can detect. A little bit like some birch trees. There's that little okay. line thing. Cause plum, that's really helpful plum, because so much of the time they're not in bloom. Yeah, that's people right. People are like, which ones are the cherry trees? And I feel like I should know. Uh, yeah. Well, so, <laughs> so that's one thing because the plum has a dark bark and there's no lines mm. on it. And then just when they're coming out, the buds of a cherry blossom are oval with several blossoms in a bud. Mm. Whereas the plum is usually round with one blossom. Mm. And then another one to be looking for when there's no blossom are the leaves. So the cherry leaves can be green or copper and they're usually folded. They look folded. Whereas a plum looks more rolled and then their leaves can be green or purplish. Mm. And you were mentioning about the different ways. Usually it's on the upper trunk where they would do the grafting. Whereas on a plum, they would be on the branches and they tend to stick straight out. And then overall, although this varies a lot with varieties, there's a tendency with the cherry cherry blossom ones to be kind of more umbrella shaped, whereas a plum tree is more round or oval, sort of right. in a more traditional tree thing. But that uh, also that depends way. on pruning. Yes. Well, that's right. If you were keen enough to be pruning, then that would be having an effect. But if it were allowed to grow, there's a tendency that way. Although Japanese gardeners are big on pruning, and I don't know yeah. if they traditionally prune mm. plum trees oh, into specific oh, yeah. shapes, right. but there is evidence that the ojotin tree has been pruned in a specific way so that oh, it will oh, hang. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. blossoms will hang yeah. like lanterns. Yeah. So those are some of the things to be looking for if you're looking at cherry blossom trees around town or anywhere. Yeah, and if you're interested in this type of thing, there's a cherry blossom scout program with the Vancouver Cherry Blossom Festival where they actually have volunteers who go around the city looking for different varieties. Yes, not to be confused with Boy Scouts or Hockey Scouts. No, it's a different activity. (laughs) But they're scouting for the blossoms. Um, So, and there's lots of other varieties other than the Ojochin, but I wanted to talk specifically about that tree because I think it was the first one. Mm-hmm. I can't say for sure, but it looks like it happened before Vancouver in general to start to plant cherry trees all over the place. So it was planted around 1925. And around this time, around in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, Vancouver started to have this problem with their city planning. They had planted a lot of large shade trees like elm and maple and chestnut along their residential streets. Yeah, I have that so, problem. Yeah, along the west side, right? Yeah. Lots of beautiful overhanging archways yes. of trees, but big yeah, problems with the roots. And, and you got to rain. Take all the chestnuts and the leaves, it takes forever. (laughs) I think the main problem was really just that the roots were actually interfering with plumbing systems. Because of the way the climate worked, those trees that were planted in the 1880s, by the time you hit 50, 60, 70 years later, they're way bigger than anyone anticipated. And it's interfering with residential systems. Mm -hmm. So they started to plant smaller flowering trees, thinking, well, they're just as pretty, if not more so. Yeah. But they're not going to grow to that huge size, which was happening with the larger trees because of the rainforest climate here in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So that was their idea. But I think what that started with was there's records of gifts from the Japanese consulates or Japanese diplomats to Canada or to Vancouver. Starting in the first one I found was 
in the early 1930s mm -hmm. when the mayors of Kobe and Yokohama gifted 500 cherry trees to the Vancouver Parks Board in honor of the war memorial mm -hmm. and of Japanese Canadian veterans who had fought for Canada in the First World War. So those cherry trees were actually dedicated in 1932 and they had representatives from local Japanese Canadian organizations as well as the Japanese consulate and the Parks Board. And that was right around the time that the Japanese Canadian veterans first got the vote in 1931. So mm. you feel like there's that sense of pride and that achievement and a really strong feeling of connection and friendship between the two nations. Even though that's also around the time that Japan invaded Manchuria and began their really aggressive imperialist expansion that mm -hmm. ended in World War II. Mm -hmm. Canada, I guess, wasn't worried at, about that. At that point, they weren't worried then. about it. What I found interesting was this idea, even predating that in Victoria, there was the Japanese gardener Isaburo Kishida oh. from around 1907. He began importing Japanese cherry blossom trees for gardens that he was working on, including the Butcher Gardens and the Hatley Castle oh. belonging to Dunsmuir. So he was probably the very first one. Possibly, yeah. That's the earliest record that I mm. came across in Canada for that. So mm. then afterward, Victoria in the 30s again began planting them as well along boulevards. Yeah. I was wondering, how did the Japanese-Canadian community get that Ojochin tree in 1925? But I guess there were other gardeners importing them on their own. Right, yeah. They well. had like their own Kishi connections. Maybe it was Kishida working with someone in Vancouver, or maybe it was someone else in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. There seemed to be businesses that had relationships between Canada and Japan, so Definitely. Part of it. Then subsequent official gifts from Japan to Canada of cherry trees happened in 1958 by a Japanese consulate, and those ones are planted sort of around Queen Elizabeth Park as well as in Stanley Park and some came in 1967 for Canada's centennial sort of a congratulations and around this time as well Vancouver was just getting cherry trees from somewhere because they liked them and planting them everywhere mm -hmm. to the point where there's an estimated 50,000 cherry trees in Vancouver so that's a lot. Yeah. But another significant symbolic planting was the Akebono cherry trees which are both around the war memorial and in Oppenheimer Park which used to be Powell Grounds. I think there used to be a sumo wrestler named that as well. Akebono? Yeah. It means daybreak. Mm. And it's interesting that variety, there's lots of them in Vancouver now, mm -hmm. not just the ones that were planted by the Japanese Canadian community. But the original version of that cultivar, that particular variety of cherry tree, it was actually created in California in the 1920s. So it's kind of like a new world mm. variant on the tradition of ornamental cherry tree breeding. And also you can look at it symbolically and think akebono meaning daybreak. It's like a hope for the new generation mm. of Japanese Canadians because these trees were planted in 1977 for the Japanese Canadian oh, yes. centennial. Uh-huh. And they were meant to honor the struggles, perseverance, sacrifice, and achievements of the Issei first generation to come to Canada. Mm. But they're also, in that way, looking forward to celebrate what's to come for the Japanese Canadians. There was also, in the 1977, the cherry trees planted in Oppenheimer Park. Yeah. For similar reasons. and Those are part of the part of that. I see, planting. yeah. 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 Because there was some controversy when they were renovating the park yeah. a few years ago about keeping them out. Yeah. yeah, the community had to organize to save those legacy sakura trees. And they managed to, I think, adapt the plan somewhat and also move some of the trees and save all but two of them from being cut down. So they're still there today. 
In Toronto as well, there were donations. And uh, really? around that time that you were mentioning, in this case, 1959, the citizens of Tokyo first donated the Somei Yoshino variety, which is a very popular type. Yeah, and that's very similar to the Akebono tree. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually the variety that was the sort of parent of the Akebono variety. Oh, I see. It was like a mutation off the Somei uh -huh. Yoshino. So just like in the X-Men movies. Mutants <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't have the traditional Variation. forms of reproduction you have cloning and mutants yeah. <laughs> so the cherry trees back then there was about 2,000 of them donated then wow yeah that's so a lot. there were a lot and a lot of them are in high park so that's a oh. popular place in toronto to do the cherry blossom viewing hmm. But when I was growing up, I didn't really have much of a sense of cherry blossoms, even though there were a lot of them there. Mm. It was more after being in Japan, being exposed to the experience of, of cherry blossoms. In particular, what I noticed was the cherry blossom petals at nighttime, when you've got a little fire going, mm -hmm. and it's quite something to see then when the petals are Yeah, do they kind of glow? Yeah, yeah, it's quite yeah. ethereal. I don't think I've ever actually done Ohanami, hmm. the cherry blossom viewing. Or maybe you had so much to drink at them that you don't remember, <laughs> since that seems to be a symbol of cherry blossom viewing in Japan. But uh, I don't think that was me. Oh, that <laughs> that might have been you, Raymond. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to the cherry trees that were donated then, back in 1959, in Ontario, the Consul General of Japan started the Sakura Project, Oh. Uh, in 2000. And that ended up resulting in over 3,000 more sakura being planted around the province. Wow. And so they were working hard to get donations to help pay for them. And they were working with the University of Guelph to make sure that the trees were being properly looked after and taken right. care of. So that's an initiative organized by the Canadian government because they like sakura. Well, the Japanese not... consul. Oh, the Japanese consul. Yeah, did. as a representation right. of goodwill to Canada. That's fantastic. That's yeah. I'm so impressed that there's cherry trees in Ontario. Yeah. That's a rough climate. <laughs> they do have the snow there. That's right. Yeah. I think my grandparents have one on their um, oh, really? cemetery, oh. but I haven't been able to see it for a long time. So lots of cherry trees. I won't go into all the different places that they have, but lots of different places. But do you know where Canada's largest botanical garden is? Is it in Victoria? Well, actually, this surprised me. Is It's supposed to be in Burlington, which is near Hamilton, in between yeah. uh, Hamilton and Toronto. And so they also have sakura trees at the waterfront there in their garden. And so they say that they're Canada's largest botanical garden. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, I haven't been there. But, but you think about like Butchart Gardens and things in Victoria. Yeah. so yeah. renowned. That's like, right. That's what I would have guessed. Yeah. I don't know if those are proper botanical gardens or not. Yeah. So another botanical garden that has a Japanese garden in it is the Devonian Botanical Garden near Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And they have a Japanese garden. So I was curious whether they had cherry blossoms. Mm -hmm. And I emailed them, but they don't. Mm -hmm. So maybe the weather is too harsh there. It's being a little bit yeah, it's further north. Far north. north. Yeah. yeah, there's so cherry there trees at Nitobe Garden. You used to aren't there? Yes. In fact, I used to be part of the Mokuyokai, a Japanese-Canadian organization. And we used to organize a hanami at Nitobe Garden. Oh, wonderful. So there was a large group of volunteers and they would have the tea ceremony and the tea house that was there and there are different performances and we had volunteers hanging lanterns up so we'd go into the evening and usually as a volunteer it's so busy you don't really sit down and enjoy mm. the cherry blossoms well that's the hard but, thing about hanami is that it's not something you can kind of run around and do or do yeah. on the go you have to like do 
all this work to make space and contemplate mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And the tricky thing you realize is it's so dependent on the weather. Especially Obviously, it's a weather. Yeah. And so it made it difficult to predict. You know, you can only plan ahead so far. But mm-hmm. that's why the value of the scouts in the Cherry Blossom Festival thing is to help get people ready for when they're going to be blooming or, or where to look. Yeah. One of the things I noticed, though, about where cherry blossom trees tend to be planted is in Japan, because it's set up to be sitting under them, it's more Mm. like in an open park. So Mm. there's space underneath it. Whereas if you have them lining the street, you know, it's by the road. It's not really a place you sit and contemplate with cars going by or there could be dogs doing their business under there. (laughs) So it's like you observe it from afar rather than sitting under it. Yeah, I guess we have a different culture around cherry blossoms here because it is more like a pop of beauty while you run around in your day daily life. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah. The design of it really affects how you view them. There are the places around Stanley Park and also Queen Elizabeth Park where if you're so inclined, you can set up your tarp and have a picnic. You make the plan to go and do that. But I think it's also wonderful to be able to appreciate them while you go about your daily life. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a nice reminder of the culture that my family comes from. Mm -hmm. And the fleetingness of life in general and this podcast in particular. (laughs) Does that mean this episode is over already, Raymond? I think so. But as Dr. Seuss said, don't be sad that it's over. Be glad that it happened. (laughs) So I guess all that's left is for me to ask you, Raymond. What do you think of cherry trees, cherry blossoms? I think it is a wonderful connection. Even though they're so weirdly artificial, (laughs) it is a nice connection to nature and an appreciation of your surroundings. Absolutely. And what I take away from this, as well as what you're saying, is that they're also a way to connect to culture. Mm -hmm. So when I think of cherry blossoms, I think that sounds Japanese-Canadian to me. Wonderful. 